shot. Goal! Full stop! Unbelievable scenes in the end for the Derby! Goes for a goal! Oh! Finally, <laughs> Moustak! What the goal! Gary Tierney. Gary Tierney. Sorry, welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, episode two. If you didn't listen to episode one, you have absolutely no idea why I just said Gary Tierney to start off with. But uh, if you did listen uh, last time around, well, hopefully you've discovered why I would be saying Gary Tierney, because he is the answer to the the quiz question put to you all by Mark last time around. Um, hi, how are you doing, Mark? Just, just oh, hello. Yeah, there we... yes, hi, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so, Gary Tierney, uh, 75th minute of a pre-season friendly against Middlesbrough. Rudy Scatchel, who, who doesn't need any introduction, came off to be replaced by a 19-year-old Gary Tierney. And I'm assuming that you just picked this one out is because when you saw his name, you had no idea who he was at the time. I couldn't remember him, and I'd said to you, and you're like, oh yeah, that he made his debut against Motherwell last game of the season, blah, blah, <laughs> blah, and it was weird. This was before the, the truckloads of Lithuanians arrived, and um, there, there were a few who made their debuts at the end of season games, but I just I couldn't remember him, and he played like 10 games um, for them, and we're trying to find out what he's up to these days. The last I heard back in 2014 or whatever, he was playing for a, an amateur team in, in near Motherwell called Colville Park. Yep. So if anybody knows of his whereabouts, um, that was that was the answer to last week's homework. There will be more homework for you at the end <laughs> of uh, of this second podcast. Look, we're, we we said last week, and I got a couple of tweets. And by the way, thank you for all your tweets last week. 99% of them were positive. That's not what Twitter's for. Twitter's about abuse and hurling insults. Come on. <laughs> You can do better than that. There was there was one, I think, from Ian. He said, yes, reasonably good, three out of five. I thought, I'll take that. I mean, I've worked in this industry long enough to know that 60% mark, that's pretty good. But no, thank you. Thank you for all your tweets. And uh, we'll get to your, your homework at the end where there shall be another random question um, of a, a kind of heart's persuasion um, for you to uh, no Google, no cheating. For you to try and get for next week. Well, the reason I remembered Gary Tierney was because uh, he made his debut under Craig Levine last match of the 03-04 season. As you mentioned, it was against Motherwell. Uh, I was at the game in a supporting capacity back then. I commentated on the game. Are That's you... my concern. I, I don't remember him. I, I commented, and I've obviously I started, because both games I commentated on his debut and I commentated on on when he came on for Rudy Scatchel against Middlesbrough in the preseason friendly. That's more alarming from my perspective. Yeah, I mean, I, I was drunk. I was I was watching the game from the stands. And, um, but the reason I remember... <laughs> maybe you were too, I don't know. No, that's what I always sounded like. <laughs> but the reason I remembered was because at the end of that game, it was the final match of the season and uh, Hearts had qualified for Europe. And as the team traditionally does, well, not even only when it's a, a good season, but usually at the end of the campaign, the whole load of players come round and... Um, I was a, a fairly young guy with a couple of drinks in me and I decided to, to run on the pitch, be one of those guys and give uh, Alan Mabry my scarf. Can't remember <laughs> if that was a conscious decision or he was just the nearest guy to me before I got uh, lifted, but he looked terrified. Uh, Alan Mabry's not a very big guy and I was reasonably tall even in my teenage years. And <laughs> just why, why were you giving a scarf away, by the way? Because I don't know. Cause... It's, some, it's something that football fans have, and it's weird. We all have our weird things. Football players do the same. But I never even washed my scarf. Never <laughs> gave it away. It was honking. It really was. But you know what? If it was, just, it was the scarf that was in the top drawer in the bedroom. It got taken out on a match day, and beer got spilled on it when, when we were old enough to drink, and I went with Penny Hook Hearts on the bus and everything like that. And it, it was like taking a kilt away on tartan army duty. It could have walked home itself, but you did not wash it. So never mind 
not washing it. You gave it away. That's that's sacrilege. Well, I tell you what, I, I gave that one to Alan Mabry, who had left Hearts and ended up at Hibs. Um, I don't know what he would have done with the scarf. I dread to think. <laughs> I tell you what, here's here's a good. Um, it's not a, a trivia question, but something we can get feedback from listeners on. When have you given your scarf away, and and why, and to who? Never. Um, because Never. I've given one to a good friend who was a Leeds fan when I left England we swapped scarves he gave me his 92 league winning scarf he had with Leeds and I gave him uh, my 98 Scottish Cup winning scarf you're an idiot why <laughs> I don't know why it's, that way? I don't know and I gave one to Julian Brelli as well in 2006 um, so I'm always going through scarves like like nobody's business but ha- have you ever given your scarf away Mark clearly hasn't it's clearly sitting there covered oh. in god knows what never, never been washed literally no it, but it, it, it would wash away all the goodness from results and that that was that was the thing we never really i mean especially when i had it since i was my first game was um 1985 october 85 against st mirren and now i know it wasn't the lineup on that day but the main lineup that season was smith kid whitaker jardin berry levine colhoun black clark mckay robertson Uh, that was the main crux of that team um and i just had a plain maroon and white scarf with the tassels at the end it it was it was retired it was never replaced it was retired to the drawer um when the 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 original hearts tartan scarf came out and i got one of them and i've still got that i've actually got it downstairs and i'm in america now so i can call it a man cave um i've got it up there but the original one yeah it's it's literally when i came over here it's still i made sure i found um a top drawer and it's still in there I've not, I've not sniffed it for a while. I don't really want to. It's maybe a bad thing. Before we go on to uh, current affairs, just to mention uh, last thing on Gary Tierney. Other than if anyone can find Gary Tierney and tell us what he's doing right now, that'd be great. Maybe we get him on the podcast, I don't know. But he was playing for Colville Park last season at least because I looked up Peterhead 9, Colville Park 0 in the Scottish Cup last season and he was playing in that game. A reminder, he is a defender <laughs> as well. So maybe, sure, he was a nice kid, but maybe it just wasn't to be at, at Hearts. Maybe not. But moving on to, well, I suppose defending Hearts um, and the present day Hearts, of course... Just played Rangers at the weekend. And uh, before we get into the the game and dissecting that, we'll just have a quick listen back to myself and Jimmy Sanderson on Sunday afternoon Ibrox as Hearts travelled to Govan as league leaders. A few minutes in, it's curled into the box and there's no offside. And it's a chance for Rangers. And it's a goal. Two minutes in, Hearts can't believe it. And I don't think Rangers can believe it there. Free kick chipped into the box. Everyone stopped waiting for the offside, including the Rangers attackers. Alfredo Morelos had the ball, he stopped. And then eventually, suddenly the Rangers fans screamed out that he's onside and he just rolled it. And it's Ryan Kent who scores his second of the season. He just rolled it into the net. The Hearts fans protest. It's well headed away by Suter. Mitchell picks up. Oh, he's lost out to Candia. So poor for Mitchell. Candia, it's flicked in by Morelos. It's a disaster at the back for Hearts. It's a fantastic finish by Alfredo Morelos. But Dimitri Mitchell, he just took too long on the ball. He's been dispossessed by Candias, who rolls it across the six yard box. And it's really showboating for Morelos to make it five and five for the Colombian striker, his 11th of the season so far. Whips across in, it's not a bad one. Morelos hits it back in the danger area. Knocked by Slamal, but Arfield there to tuck it away. Rangers three to the good. Poor defending from Hearts again. Good ball from Tavernier. Morelos unmarked at the back post, headed it towards goal. Slamal palms it out, but only to Scott Arfield, who tucks it away from two or three yards. He scored once against Hearts before, it was for Falkirk a decade ago. Flanagan, left-hand side, flicks it into Morelos. Back towards Flanagan, who's taken out, free kick. And Michael Smith has already been booked, and he could be in trouble here. It's a second yellow, and Hearts are down to ten men. 
curled in by Lee. Dunn waits for his header towards goal and it's in. Hearts have scored. They've pulled one back. And Jimmy Dunn, for the 10 men, has scored his second in as many weeks. 66 and a half minutes gone. Rangers 3, 10 man Hearts 1. Well, tell you what, hang on a minute here. How long have we got to go? <laughs> 23. <laughs> so, as you heard and as you would have known already, unfortunately, the unbeaten run for the Jambos did come to an end on Sunday afternoon at Ibrox. And uh, a difficult game, a, a tough afternoon for the Jambos, a difficult start and a hard one I find to pick over, really. Mark, first off, before I suppose we break it down at all, did, did you manage to catch the game? Yeah, yeah, I watched the game and I'll, get, I'll give you my comments shortly, but I, I thought something that was interesting was Craig Levine's post-match comments. And it's funny, I mentioned last week the WhatsApp group that I'm in with my pals and there's a Hibs fan, a couple of Rangers fans and a Hearts fan. Uh, Ian Mercer's in there, uh, Wallace's son. He's a good friend of mine. And we obviously defend our team. And we got pelters yesterday from from the Rangers fans, especially from Craig Levine's comments. And he he said that I wouldn't mind that again. I think we'd do do a lot better next time. I, I get where he's coming from because the first two goals we shot ourselves in the foot. And we had chances and we didn't take them. I, I, I sent a text to the group, the WhatsApp group. It was just after a uh, second Hearts chance. I said it could be 2-2. This was before Rangers had got their second. And there was no argument from then. I got pelters for the rest of the day, but I, I, I'll take it. But I just thought I, I can understand Craig Levine's post-match comments. Um, many outside the club can't. But that's what this is about. said last week, it's not going to be cheerleading all the time. And I got a couple of tweets from, from people saying they're glad to hear that because you don't want it to be kind of Pravda and, or, or uh, the Republican Party over here when it comes to Trump. Um, you want to be honest. And Hearts fans saw it. You said that. and They've got their own opinion on it. Now, we've played better. We've played much better. But the ironic thing is of, of, of what we discussed last, last week about it would be good if we could actually go to Ibrox and have a go. We, we did. Maybe too much of a go. And we, we forgot that the big striker's best position's up front and not trying to be the guy who's slowly out when they play a, an offside trap. But we've learned our lesson from that. Well, first off, I suppose, let's look at the team, uh, briefly the setup. So uh, anyone who's been in a, the press area before the game, it's always that anxious wait to see what the team's going to be. And then as soon as you see the lineup, it's a wee bit of bickering. Where's everyone playing? I'm messaging Phil Turnbull. What's the lineup, Phil? He tells me one. I'm like, nah, it can't be that. Barry Anderson tells me another one. I'm like, nah, it can't be that. Um, so today we got the lineup in. Just one change. Callum Morrison out. Uche Ikpiezu back in. I guess from my perspective, I liked the lineup in many ways. It was attacking with two strikers going to Ibrox, which many said, whoa, geez, that's a surprise in itself. I suppose the thing that immediately stuck out to me was there was not much width in the team beyond the fullbacks. We had, I suppose, four midfielders in there, and not one of them was a wide midfielder, really. Yeah, so I'm looking and comparing, comparing and contrasting with the lineup against St Johnston, and I, I was baffled that Callum Morrison didn't play um, from the start in, in in that game, and he was an unused sub, so he he was available for selection. I think. With this, what, what you have is two things. Mistakes were made, and the second thing, learn from your mistakes. So I think what was evident to me is that Dimitri Mitchell's not a left-back. Um, never has been. They've tried to put him back there. He's a left-winger who plays um, not in his favourite position, but at left-back. But he likes to play further forward. Not only do you have a guy who's not a left-back playing at left-back, you have a guy who's a central midfielder playing at left-midfield or right midfield, wherever they play Jume. He's a central midfielder. So I think we've we've learned that Mitchell needs to play further forward. Uh, we need a bit of width from Morrison. Uh, do you know what? I, I was slightly surprised that the same team wasn't named. And I, I get they would have wanted um, Wardle and Goldson, the two Rangers centre-backs, to, to get um, hassle and pressure from, from Uche. But I, I, think, I think hindsight's easy. Um, I just would have liked to have seen this, the same team and Uche coming off the bench. But I understand what, why, why it went. But what I would say going forward, I'd be surprised, especially with Garuccio playing well for the reserves right now and scoring a decent free kick. I'd be surprised if Garuccio wasn't the, the, the left back going forward with Dimitri Mitchell in front of him. Mitchell can be used as a left back if you know you're going to have a lot of the ball. 
I don't think he's an ideal left back for somewhere like Ibrox, where Rangers are going to have more of the ball. But the Aberdeen game, for me, you've got an opportunity now to play Decamona as the right-sided um, player in the back three. So then that opens things up. And you could have Mitchell. I don't mind Mitchell as a wing back because he's got an extra defender behind him to mop up. Um, I'd still prefer him a little bit further forward. He's a left winger for me, um, who's, who's maybe having to play as a left wing back. So you could play three at the back against Aberdeen if you want, because we discussed this last week. We've, we've now changed in that when Uchi got injured, it took a while to the Livingston game and the, the, the issues of lack of width in that game to, to kind of, okay, well, that didn't work. I think what you have with Craig Levine is you have someone who is a problem solver and he's not frightened. He's stubborn, aren't we all? But he knows fine well that if something isn't working, he's not going to flog a dead horse. Because if it ain't working now, it's never going to work. And obviously the game itself, well, we'll have a look at that. And very quickly, things kicked into gear at Ibrox. It looked like it was going to be an open game right from the very get-go. And it, it proved to be that way. Unfortunately for Hearts, they were on the back foot quite early on, going behind in under three minutes. Now, I think the main thing we're going to look at, <clears throat> I think we have to talk about the first goal, Mark. We're not going to dissect everything too much. But the first goal, now, during commentary, I have to say, we're at the middle of the park in the the main stand at Ibrox. So we've not got the best view for an offside line inside the area, shall we say. Free kick comes in, my eyes are generally on the taker as he hits it, comes in and me and 50,000 other people and 22 players in the park all stopped for a moment and waited for the whistle to go. Even Morelos, who had the ball at his feet, hesitated for a moment and then suddenly there was a sort of cry from a few home fans, you're on! And he suddenly turned towards goal and obviously rolled it towards Ryan Kent and even then... We're all still looking around, waiting for the offside. It was it was bizarre, I have to say. I, I can't think of being on commentary duty for a goal such as that before, where everyone seemed to think it was offside. It's one of those, Jimmy was having a little rant about it, saying he can't believe the linesman sold us in the river with that one. And I did say, I was like, let's just wait till we've seen it again, because sometimes if a whole team steps out in tandem as an attacking side step forward, it can look ridiculous at the time. I guess that was the case because we've seen replays of it and I suppose we were having a look at the offside law mark a moment ago first off in your view is he offside no so it's, it's a right call because Uche is playing on Morelos then you get into the minutiae of who else is involved are they active or are they inactive um, which phase is it I had to take a a screenshot. Someone posted the goal again pretty quickly um, from Rangers TV, so I was able to take a screenshot from that. Um, and even then, it's, it's close. When you've got one player running one way and other coming the other way, it's very hard for a linesman. Now, Frank Connor was the man um, with the flag, and for, for me, um, I know this is a Hearts podcast, but I'm, I'm, I'm not going to like. I'm not going to bullshit or say anything that that it wasn't offside or whatever. Um, Uchi is playing on Morelos. Now, after that, he rolls it to Kent. Um, you're talking who's active, who's who's inactive. I, I think there is an issue here, um, not with the decision, but with the way that the laws are worded. Because I still think there's an element of some subjectivity in the way that some of the wording appears in Law 12 is, is one of them, um, specifically law, uh, sorry, law 11 is offside, law 12 is the whole red card, but law 11 for me is still open to conjecture with the offside. I'm not going to bore you with, with what it says. About, it's too long. Well, be, <laughs> it is, it, and that's the whole thing. Being actively involved in the area of play is not the same as being in the area of active play. I mean, oh, goodness me, where are we going with this? Bottom line is, um, let's strip this right down. If you're going to do that and you're going to take a chance, you've got to have everyone on the same page. Uche wasn't. And and it was a you're you're behind the eight ball right from the start. It was a horrible goal to give up. Um and the second goal was a, a left winger trying to dribble his way out of trouble in defence when he's playing at left back and, and gets caught in possession. So I think it was the correct call. Uh, I can understand why those are saying, well, wait a minute here, he was in an offside position, the ball in the back of the net. Um, but again, I think the issue here 
is the confusion and the subjectivity of the way that Law 11 can be um, applied and can also be um, taken maybe out of context here. And it's touch and go either way, I think. And Connor Goldson's a man who looks to be off, who he certainly doesn't get involved in the game in a, a basic sense, a simplified sense. I think ultimately the big issue here, I've seen some Hearts fans highlighting it and, you know, highlighting it being as a bad call and Rangers fans saying it was just dreadful defending. I think the big thing from a Hearts perspective is it was a badly worked defensive set piece because yeah. either way it's marginal and it shouldn't be marginal. If you're going to step out like that, you're you're running the risk of the guy getting played onside if it is marginal because, you know, offside calls, it's it's so difficult when they're tight like that. And it's, yeah, you're right, Uche is a yard or two behind everyone else, which just doesn't work at all. It's such a risky manoeuvre to take. But before the second goal, you mentioned the second goal, but before then, I don't think it got, got lost at all, was the fact that Hearts actually could have scored twice. You said earlier it could have yes. been 2-2. Two, two. Uh, two really good chances. And I think Stephen Naismith, I think Al McGregor does well with both, the second in particular. The first one, though, I think Stephen Naismith will be very disappointed that he didn't bury that chance. A lovely little flick by Stephen McLean to him. And he's one on one. He's the man you want in that position as well. And he just basically hits it straight at the goalkeeper. Very frustrating finish. And in the second one, I think Al McGregor is superb with his right hand. Really strong hand after Uche just muscles his way into the box. Incredible strength a few times from him yesterday. Uh, it really could have that could have swung the game completely. Yeah, and Rangers had other chances as well. I mean, Bobby Slamal had a couple of uh, saves yeah. that he had to make as well because we got caught. At the back, um, it's, uh, Craig Levine was right. It's it's rare that I have seen a Hearts team go there and and have a goal like Hearts did in the early stages. You, we said it last week on on this podcast. You've got to be clinical when you go there. You had a bit of good fortune as well. Um, you've got to take your chances because not many teams get that many chances at Ibrox. Um, they're a decent side. I wouldn't say they're better than decent. They're decent. They're, 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 they're a workmanlike outfit um, who have got a player of, of decent ability. Ejari and Kent are decent loan signings from um, from Liverpool. They've got good players, and they'll be there or thereabouts. I think there's, there seems to be more cohesion in that Rangers side, but they're prone to that performance that they threw in against Livingston and a couple of games earlier this season when they dropped two points right at the death, one of them up at Aberdeen as well. That might change. It's funny, we were chatting with my friends after the game, on the WhatsApp group, and, and my issue for them is how they handle the Thursday-Sunday games if they're away from home. Uh, they'll obviously play in the semi-final against um, Aberdeen, and they'll have a Europa League tie on the, the Thursday as well. Is the squad big enough? I, I'm not sure, but Gerard's given them, he's given them goals. I mean, at home, they'll be, I mean, they've already got 18 goals this season in, in total, and they're absolutely flying, especially when they when they play at Ibrox, um, and, and they've scored 14 of those goals at home. I think Tynecastle will be a different story, though, when Hearts get them back there. And then, again, eight games, 19 points, two points clear going into the October international break. It was frustrating against Livingston, blah, blah, blah. But bigger picture, boys and girls, if someone had offered you that, you would have, how much, how much you want for that at the start of the season? Every single person would have taken that. And if you're, if you're nitpicking, then what if Aberdeen hadn't scored that late equaliser against Rangers? Um, what if Rangers hadn't conceded late on in the other game? Then Rangers would just be a point behind. So this is what happens over over a season. Little things. One draw, one loss, six wins. Tough period coming up. Fine. Craig Levine and the players are right. Let's analyse that afterwards. Nothing's decided right now, but you tell me someone that doesn't want to be on top of the pile looking down and I'll show you a liar. One thing I'd want to say about Ibrox, I mean, Rangers, they are formidable at home. Like They can't seem to buy a win away from home. It's almost Hearts-esque at times, what we've seen under Levine <laughs> sometimes. But 15 unbeaten at Ibrox, they haven't lost a game there since March. And one thing I noticed yesterday, I don't know if it, how much it came across, it's maybe hard to tell uh, often in the TV coverage, but the atmosphere at Ibrox on Sunday, obviously I'm sitting in amongst Rangers fans mainly in the press on the press deck, I think was possibly the 
the loudest I've heard a Scottish game that I've been at before. It yeah. was incredible on Sunday. I, I, I could barely hear myself at all in that first half and it, it, it was quite something and I know you've experienced the old firm before I can't remember what if it was Ibrox at Celtic Park that you went to but um, being a both being a both um, oh, just you just go wherever you want eh? Sw- swan into no I've got <laughs> no I've got friends that work in the press department so I've been I've been to more games at Ibrox than, than Celtic Park but it was a continue continuation of the atmosphere from um, the Rapid Vienna game mm-hmm. and the, there's just a feel good factor at Ibrox uh, right now among the Rangers fans because it's 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 eight years of misery for them. It's pent up anger and frustration that they've not had what they'd what they'd been used to prior to 2010. They haven't had that for a while, and it's slowly coming back. But you're right, it, it was noisy. A couple of things just about the game. One, um, that commentary position at Ibrox is it's not a perilous commentary position. <laughs> But it's surrounded by the most angry people. These are probably lawyers and doctors and dentists who behave impeccably Monday to Friday. They become animals, some of them. And they're right behind us. And if we get... Yeah. I mean, it's funny. Hart scored yesterday. Jimmy Dunn scored. And you're like, oh, it's a goal for Hearts, great. I, honestly, you don't fear for your life. But I've been in that predicament beforehand. You're like, if I raise my voice here, I could get everything chucked at me. Because... I've seen people before get drenched. I've had Bovril in the vicinity thrown in, in, in the area that we've been in. We've got, you know what it's like. We've got all this equipment. It's weird. You, you want to kind of go, you want to give it the whole, get it right up you, but you can't because you've got these most angry people behind you just frothing at the mouth if you even <laughs> dare to raise your voice. Is it still like that? It is. And oh. my first commentary at Ibrox was the first game in the championship when Osman So scored at the end. And I, I got pel- <laughs> I got pelters from my mate because obviously my mates listened back and they saw the, the highlights and they're like, that's that's terrible. Why, why is there not more emotion from you when Osman So, <laughs> when we score an injury time winner at Ibrox? I'm like, I'm sitting arm's length away from thousands of Rangers fans who had been <laughs> baying for blood for most of that game. So the fact I even commentated on it and even described it. Uh, but back to the game, we will have to play it, I guess, the rest of the game. And you spoke about the second goal, which is really down to Dimitri Mitchell. I think you've highlighted um, him being out of position quite a bit. Uh, the, the third goal, I, I think you mentioned as well that Bobby Pams out. I don't know if he can do much more than that. It's, it's, again, poor defending. But it's interesting, I think, the second half, because when Michael Smith gets sent off for a second bookable offence, I don't think he can have any complaints. I don't think it needs to be assessed too much. It's a clear second yellow card. He doesn't complain. He's off the park. I feared the worst then, because a defeat is one thing. You know, the people saying the bubbles burst. But at that point, I thought, if we lose six here, five or six, or, you know, you know God forbid, worse... That could be a real sickener. That can really take the wind out of our sails. But Hearts bizarrely rallied at that point. It's a good header by Jimmy Dunn to come back into it. And it's interesting because I've just spoken about the Ibrox atmosphere. It was incredible. I've, I can't think of a game that I've been to, a Scottish League game that I've been to, it's been anything like that. But it works in two different ways because when it went 3-1, and I said I said this to Jimmy, I was like, these fans aren't going to be happy with playing out for a 3-1, but that's what they should do at this point. They want more goals. They're playing against 10 men. They want they smelled, they smelled blood. They wanted to twist the knife in. But because of that, I felt the Rangers team kept attacking, and it was open. Yep, fair enough. It looked like Rangers could score at any point, but suddenly it looked like Hearts could score at any point. June uh, had a decent opportunity, which was a fairly routine save for, by McGregor, but he had to save it. And then we've got my highlight of the game, what? probably any Hearts fans highlight of the game, the, the Dick and Mona double Meg, which was <laughs> absolutely glorious. It's a shame. I don't know what he tried to do at the end of it. But it was actually quite a, a good second half in so many ways. I just had a flashback when Michael Smith saw red for a second yellow. I just had a flashback to 96-97 season <laughs> when at the start of the second half Pasquale Bruno saw red for a second booking and then three more players were sent off by Jerry Evans 
and Hearts ended up with seven men and, and Chris Robinson uh, is great when the, the person at the helm of your club has got no idea what the actual laws of the game are and thinks that the game should be abandoned without realising you need a fifth player to be sent off. So every time we go to Ibrox and if we have a player sent off, especially like that, it just it brought back uh, memories and, and a shudder. Um, the, the best thing about that game at Ibrox was the following game in midweek when Andy Thorne played. We were desperate for centre-backs, and he just kind of phoned around. Did anybody, anybody fancy a game? Hearts had... I don't think I've, I've kind of deviated off tangent um, much so far, and I, I liked doing that last week because it, it, it kind of it brought up stories and things from the past. Who was the most obscure Hearts centre-back that... No, there isn't a right answer for this. This is more subjective for everybody. Everyone's going to have their own, oh, yeah, I remember him. Oh, he was honking. Um, Andy Thorne was fine. He did a great job against Celtic in midweek in the uh, in the Coca-Cola Cup. And Hearts went through when Gary Naismith won his bike. But I'm going to, th- I'm going to throw one at you for now um, because there's another one. I- oh, Mo, Mo Berti. Was, was one. He wasn't the one I was going to throw at you, but I just remember, I'm sure he played at Dundee in yep. a game that I was commentating on. Mo Bertie was one. Going back about William Prunier, ex-Man United. Now, as I once said about Saul Bamba, when I was commentating on him at Dunfermline, uh, Saul Bamba used to play for Paris Saint-Germain, although I'm not sure at which sport. <laughs> William Prunier could be exactly the same. He used to play for Man United, although I'm not sure at which sport. So, th- this is your this is your kind of homework this week and that there isn't a right or a wrong answer but I'd love to hear from you as would Laurie um, I hope that th- those are a couple and I don't want to let's let's not stop it at defenders um, obscure temporary signings um, Wilfred Uefio, um remember he played at Motherwell he was a he was a winger yep. who Gary Mackay told me that someone he knows put Wilfred up might even have been Gary's wife at the time back then, and said he was stinking because he never showered. There's things like that that just you just <laughs> you just remember. Uh, I'm sure. No offence to the lad, but I don't think personal. I think his personal hygiene was as good as his football ability. Again, I've digressed from where we were. There's your homework for for this week. Tweet us if you would. Laurie can give you all the details because he's young and trendy and knows all these things. Um, who's who's been your kind of what signings that Hearts have made? So there, there's a few to get you started. Uh, or memories of. So Mo Berti, Andy Thorne, Wilfred Uefiu, and William Prunier. Uh, hit us with them. The more obscure, the better, please. I look forward to reading some of these. Uefiu? You sounded, you sounded rather posh there when you said that. Well, it sounds like French for doesn't shower. Wiffy. Wiffy. Foie gras. Wiffy. Yeah, if you, if you take the initial of his first name and his surname, Wiffy. It, it was it's a wee bit Archie Wiffy. McPherson. No, there's only one. Wiff. <laughs> yeah, so who, who, would be, who would be your two or three right, before, we, uh, before we get back to what we were meant to be talking about? Your two or three randoms. Mine? Oh, or are you yours. just are you asking? Listen. No, yours, yours, yours. Oh, mine! Oh, you kind of throw these at me. I, I tell you what. I can. It's a podcast. This isn't. This proves it's not scripted. <laughs> this is what we do. I don't want to hear. Okay, we have now reached section six of the show. Laurie, who are you? No, I don't want to hear that. Just I'm gonna I'm gonna chuck you stuff that you've not prepped or anything like that, and I'd like you to do the same. So come on, come up with two or three. I've given you an extra ten seconds thinking time. Um, so you, now you've got to tell me who. Andy Todd. Remember him? Exton Firmly. Andy Todd. Who could play, yeah, my God. Todd with one D. Who could play... That's right. Who could play centre-back or up front, if need be. A, a bit of a Kevin McKenna in that sense. And I remember he actually scored against Aberdeen for us at Pitodre. But he was a bit of a weird one. Like, why are we signing someone who's kind of getting on in years who's just been doing it for Dunfermline no, no offence to Dunfermline well a little bit but um, <laughs> so there's there's one if you if you want me to throw one out I, I love I love London Hearts I've just gone because I've commentated on his his three games that he played for at Hearts um, and yeah I mean Craig Levine signed him it was like a loan, loan for from, like a month or something wasn't on, it on loan from Bradford yeah he signed him March 2002 
and then sent him back. So he was only there for just over a month, played against Aberdeen, uh, Livingston, and Rangers. I love stuff like this because I, I, I couldn't have told you. I mean, it's like, oh, yeah, I remember him. But to come up with that, I couldn't have done that. That's why, that's why I want to hear from, from um, listeners about randoms. And I don't want someone that's played 200 games for her. I want an Andy Todd or a Prunier or a Riffio or things like that. Tweet at Around the Funnel with your suggestions for that. You can get on the website as well, the contact details, scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. But the best place to contact us is on Twitter at Around the Funnel. So I guess we'll close off for Rangers Hearts, which has been a bit of a slog getting through this one. I know it was bad, Mark, but we've we've digressed quite a few times. Um, <laughs> what what can Hearts take from this game? Let's close it off. They've lost 3-1. The, the unbeaten run is over. It's to a team who are formidable at home. It's a team that Hearts have struggled against. What do Hearts take from this going into the next game in two weeks against Aberdeen? But if you're going to come out from a free kick you've got to come out as one or you don't try that everyone's got to be on the same page I don't think Hearts will try that again this season um, Dimitri Mitchell not a left back don't want to see him there again because the delivery he can put in from a left sided and that, that's where a 4-4-2 would work against Aberdeen I'm not saying play a 3-5-2 because uh, Di Camona is a better probably a better right centre back than he is a right back I think he could play right back as well So I've got, I, I don't have any issue with, with keeping a similar formation, but I think out of the game, um, I think it'll be a different story at Tyne Castle when we play them there. We're still two points clear. It's not a panic job at all. We've got a tough set of games coming up, but I want to see Mitchell playing further forward, and I want to see Arnold June, if we can find a formation that suits playing more central. That's that's what I take from Ibrox, and that I think we've also seen that by having a go there. You've got to be more clinical, but I'd like to see Hearts do that when they go to Pataudry, when they go to Celtic Park, when they go to Easter Road, um, because I'm, I'm, I can guarantee you they'll defend better. And I think there's goals in that team. I, th- I think there'll, there'll be there'll be a lot fewer games this season where Hearts don't score than there have been in the past. So the the, the big thing is don't panic. I completely agree with that. Very disappointing first half in terms of defensive mistakes, but at the same time. Yeah, it's one game. It's a tough game. Most teams will go to Ibrox and lose. And even when you look at the fact we were down to 10 men and 3-1 down at one point, and Craig Levine went 4-3-2, which is is pretty bold. So let's see how Hearts bounce back. And it's the, the main thing I said on Twitter afterwards. I think the big test now is how do we react to that first defeat? And we will find out, of course, in a couple of weeks against Aberdeen. <laughs> Last week on the podcast, Mark asked the listeners if they could come up with some ideas to change the song that our podcast is, of course, named after, which is the Hearts European song, as it's known, the Jambos version of My Way. So we've, we've had a few coming in, Mark, and the part of the song, of course, that you were looking to get a modern update of is where we talk about the players of old, uh, Rossi, Boniek, or Tardelli, or whichever version you want to go with. So um, we've got some in uh, on Twitter. Let's have a quick look at them. So Cheesemeister on Twitter, who's actually Andrew Henry Bowie, the author of Two Miles to Tynecastle, says Dembele would rhyme nicely with Portabelli, just as a player to keep in mind, because obviously we could rhyme it with Portabelli, or I suppose Portabello, one of the players. He can't change. He can't change the no. lyrics. Important. That'd be no? the poshest song ever. When when we are overseas, the hymns will be in Portobello. No, he can't do that. That's just horrific. But Port, but, but his one rhymes with Portobello. So it that's better. fine. I'm, you can't change. Cannot change it to Portobello. Okay. Okay. I'm 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 just unwritten rule. Keeping unwritten things rule. open. Okay. Uh, well, rope. well, I guess if you want to listen to Catch Twenty Two on Twitter, he said that the uh, scarves are. In the, I, I actually like this response. The scarves are in the funnel was well worth a listen, but piss shout for trying to change the names in the European song. <laughs> Ruined the Doa Deer song trying to update it. Gilles Rousset will always be in our goal, and Fulton will always be Baggio. <laughs> That's a great shout. I, I I don't want to update it. I'm saying if it what. Maybe I've just... Um, <laughs> Are we tracking back? myself in from last week. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
maybe I maybe I did say last week I want it updated. I don't, I don't. But if all right, was, so what am I reading out then? No, you are. <laughs> you, you're fine. I'm just I'm 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 deciding as I go along that I don't want to update it, but I needed suggestions okay. for new updates if it was to be updated. But rules needed to be applied here, and that Portobello cannot be Portobello. <laughs> At all. <laughs> just, just saying. With you, Portobello. Okay. Um, yes. Okay, well, I guess I'll run through these pointless suggestions then, since you're backtracking. They're not pointless. Me. No, I can't ask for something <laughs> and then say, don't bother. That's what you just did. Wor- I kind of did, but I didn't really. I, I like it the way it is. I agree with the tweet initially um, about you can't change these names. If you did change the names, that's what we're okay. saying. Hypothetically. Um, Hypothetically. If the song was to be written... Today, um, <laughs> yes, exactly. Adam Kennedy said uh, the European song has to be Ronaldo, Messi, and Christian Tello when overseas. The hips will be in Portobello. No, no, because it's not Portobello, and it's Christian Tello. And please, someone, if you're doing a Spanish game and it's a double L, it's a year. Unless they're from Catalonia, when then it gets or Bilbao, and then it gets a little bit uh, problematic. But Portobello, Portobello, no. no. <laughs> I just wanted to put it in there because they put in Portobello. Um, G <laughs> G on Twitter says we have no cares for other players like Ronaldo, Kane, or Lionel Messi. I think maybe Leo Messi would have worked better um, when we're overseas. The Hibs will be in Portobello. Uh, Big C1874 responded to G saying too many syllables he would go with like Ronaldo or Leo Messi. So just two players would that would that work? Ah, uh, I'm I've I've like Ronaldo my, or Leo I'm, Messi. I'm, I'm, okay, I've disregarded maybe. my own rules, so I'm I'm not really one to ask. Okay, well fair enough. You um, you started mm, this. I know, I know. I'm looking forward to next week's answers. <laughs> I've got another one, by the way. I've got one for you. And I, I again, digress. Um, I went to this press conference in the end of January 2006. I thought that was going to be the song. No, it's a rubbish song. Um, I went to this press conference. And the only other time I've been to a press conference like this was when Livingston unveiled 15 new players that Steve Archibald had brought over when they got up to the Premier League in 05, I think it was, or maybe before that, and uh, David Fernandez was one of them. Hearts had a similar press conference under Graham Ricks in, in that there was a big table and all the players had their names at them. And it was, the, it was the 11 players that signed at the end of January 2006. And my other random that would fit into the, um, the topic of kind of cult heroes or zeros Ludex Strachany or Strachany. <laughs> yeah. um, he was the, the last of the, the signings before um, deadline day and he was honking. I mean, I know that Rice and Bolly never played for Hearts, but he went on to play in a World Cup, maybe a couple of them, but Strachany was horrid. Was it not him who's at right back at um, Tanadice? And I played against Dundee United, yes. And I recall, I think it's the only time I've been to a Hearts game and I think the crowd actually made a substitution because <laughs> one Robbie Nielsen was being chanted by about four or five thousand Hearts fans had a really big travelling support through that night and they basically after a few minutes of that Robbie over you come and on he came was that a seamless transition into hopefully Robbie Nielsen's name will be sung around <laughs> Tanadice pretty soon as well by the Dundee United fans after uh, the Dundee United board were listening to Around the Funnel last week yep. and heard Robbie Nielsen linked with Tanadice after uh, the exclusive about his tweet saying he was hoping to beat Jim McIntyre mm-hmm. up the M90 uh, in a race. So can, can we take claim for our first managerial appointment? I know yes. the boys from Off the Ball like to say that uh, they are responsible, which they have been for many people coming on their show who have been unemployed for a spell after a, a career in football and then got back into it. So we'll, we'll, we'll take this as our first and probably our only um, managerial appointment because we all know that the Dundee United board, including David Southern, have been listeners to Around the Funnel for many, many years. We're definitely having that one. <laughs> Ro- Robbie Nielsen. So basically, Dundee United have just won the championship uh, with Robbie Nielsen 
being appointed. Well, I'll run through a quick more because we're still in the scarves around the funnel. Mark's doing his best to try and push me off topic somehow. <laughs> um, Ghana tweeted Messi, Modric or Balotelli, which seems to like that. a good rhythm. That's all right. It works quite uh-huh. well. Yeah. Um, Ollie Harwood is mixed up a little bit like Messi, Modric on the telly. Mm. <laughs> you, you want a third player, don't you? Well, two works if the intonation is, is correct, and as long as it's not Portobello. <laughs> and Ewan Thompson said, reckon we should go with Messi, Suarez or Balotelli. That's all right. Which, yep. Also, Balotelli's quite a, a good one to fit in. Um, and he's nuts. And he is crazy. So uh, he says they would be a good one for the up-to-date lyrics. So that's quite a few of the suggestions we've had. Let's see, one more. Robert Martin said, we have no cares for foreign players like Mo Salah or Lionel Messi. That fits in quite well, even though it's two players. All right. When I've yeah. half sung it. Mind out, give, giving them their first name as well. Yeah, that's, that's all right. I'm just looking forward to you attempting to edit this week, given... Uh, <laughs> what have we, what, how long has this call been, been on? Too long. One, one hour and 11 minutes, okay? I want to see how... How much of this is edited out? So I'm, I'm looking for a 40-minute podcast, Mr. Dunsar. So good luck with that, Sam. <laughs> well, thanks for that. You're welcome. <laughs> yes, moving on. So please keep the tweets coming in. I, I promise we will maintain this despite Mark's furious backtracking that he now doesn't want to change it after Catch22 on Twitter and um, threw him under the bus. So keep them coming in at Around <laughs> the Funnel uh, with that one. I was going to throw something else out about Gary Tierney, which I just popped into my head. I know, <laughs> I, 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 look, I can do it as well, all right? You can digress all the time, so I'm going, to, I'm going to throw one in there. Apparently, on one website, because I was desperately trying to find out where his career went, because he went to Airdrie United after Hearts. I saw somewhere that he went to a team called Long Island Rough Riders in the states. Oh yeah, they're in the USL. And oh, it wasn't on his Wikipedia or anything, but I saw it in a couple of websites, and I. I have no idea if that's accurate or not, but it just, I was like, Long Island, Long Island Rough Riders, never heard of them. 2007. Oh, I was going to say I could maybe go and visit him, but no, because he's he's been there and he's, Back in he's done that. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he, so he, he's taken the well-trodden path from Airdrie United to Long Island Rough Riders on July the 1st, 2007 on a free transfer. And then he's ended up at Colville Park. So, yeah, <laughs> he, he did. Uh, Long Island Rough Riders. Um, they are a team. He played alongside Chris Aloisi. Oh. There's another one. There's a guy in Timelia. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so they're in the, the kind of third tier of, uh, of soccer football over here. We've got a, a new team that's coming up as well, uh, which is going to start next year. My local team is going to be called um, Hartford. Hartford United. Um, are going to start. So maybe if um, Gary Tierney's only 32, so if he, he's now a kind of defensive midfielder, so I might put a word in with Jimmy Nielsen that if he, if he wants an experienced um, veteran, Hearts legend, that maybe Gary Tierney could be his first appointment at uh, at Hartford ahead of 2019. There you go. I want someone to find out how Gary Tierney got from New York to to Motherwell in that probably by his plane no but People I mean his, his career in the <laughs> in the whatever years between that we can't account for at the moment the mysterious you know when someone gets a CV for a job and you're like well like, what were you doing in those five years that you haven't accounted for what what was Gary Tierney doing in those years between somehow being at Long Island Rough Riders in the States to back at a Motherwell based amateur team one of the best websites for getting player details, and it helps us commentators be the anoraks that we are, is transfermarket.co.uk, yep. but it's transfermarket minus the E yep. at the end of market. And it says, uh, Airdrie United to Long Island Rough Riders, 1st of July, 07, but then he left in December, which is understandable because that's when our season ends over here. So he leaves Long Island Rough Riders and joins Unknown. And he's with Unknown for four and a half years before he joins Colville Park. What and where is unknown? We need to find Gary Tierney. So week one, we get Robbie Nielsen a job. (laughs) Week two, can we continue that type of form and locate 32-year-old 
Gary Tierney. If someone can help, then get in touch. We want you on the show. Yeah. If Gary Tierney's listening, get in touch. Well, 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 I don't know what we can do for you. We might get you some kind of move. Back at Hearts. You know, a sensational comeback. No, I'll, I'll take him over here for Hartford. Okay. We need new players ahead of the the first um, the first new season coming up. So, yeah, we need to find Gary Tierney. And maybe we could sign... Here we go. We could sign... We could have a kind of Ludex Stratzini, um <laughs> with you. And just have a kind of veterans. We could get them all, get the gang back together. Led by Big Mo Berti. <gasps> Some charity game we could get planned at, at Tynecastle yeah. at the end of the season with yeah. with me and you commentating on it. It's, it sounds... Do you don't want to come over here? I mean, oh, I'd love to. Love are, you, are you paying for my flights? No, but <laughs> Mo, Big Mo Berti can pay. I'm sure he's he's raking in from his lucrative yeah. football career. From his, from his time at Hearts, he's signing on fees not spent yet. Right, well, let's let's draw this one to a close. This has been episode two of Scarves Around the Funnel. Did you have any other uh, trivia that you were looking to put out there? Or have you already tested the audience enough today? No, I thought I thought the homework this week... I was thinking as I went along, because I had one or two things maybe prepared, but I want to keep them. I like the whole just two or three games for Hearts, your, your cult zeros, or maybe <laughs> like heroes... That. Um, from from years, I, I don't think we need any more than that because I, I think we can have a bit of fun with that. Everybody will know someone, and I'm not saying one or two three, two games. It's just memories that you've got. Were you walking from the Wheatfield stand um, back to your car or to your bus when Willie Jameson scored that stunner late on against Celtic? And were you one of those that tried to jump over the tarpaulin and get a view of this stunning strike from the? wonderfully coiffured defender. Um, things like that. Willie Jemison. Just things that you remember and you're like, my God, he played for Hearts or, or that goal by that guy who hardly ever played any games. Your 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 messages on that would be, uh, would be I think it would be good for, for next week and uh, when we have a look back. Who is your Andy Todd? Let us know. And, um, yeah. And the big thing is, Hearts are still top of the table. They go into the international break, top of the league table, only one defeat for the season let's not hit any panic buttons yet and we'll be back before the Aberdeen game to speak about a few things but uh, from me and Mark we'll wish you all well and we'll see you next time 